Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris back again. This is the first Monday of the month, Request Monday, here at the Metal Exchange. And uh, the long-awaited Nevermore episode. I, I say that because I feel like this is one of the most popular requests we've gotten. Dead Heart in the Dead World by Nevermore, going back to the year 2000. Um, it's amazing to me how many people were either requested this album or just wanted us to cover Nevermore on the podcast. But before we get there, Chris, my friend, how are you, bud? I'm very good. Uh, th- this is uh, this is great because this is kind of um, newer territory for me, even though it's not a, a newer band. But um, yeah, I was uh, I was impressed with the the interest um, in in hearing. Um, uh, us talk about this this band, so I feel like it has definitely uh, been a long time coming. Um, we have uh, two of our uh, Patreon members, uh, Dave and Keith, both uh, requested this recently, and I do believe that prior to moving to the Patreon model, I believe somebody had requested this even prior to that. So, um, yeah, this is definitely... A long time coming, being that we're at what episode, what one eighty two, I believe we're at now. Yeah, one eighty two, and we we finally get there. We should have um, did Blink one eighty two this week. That would have been <laughs> appropriate. talk about it timely. Um, yeah, I, no, it's uh, it it definitely has been a while, but you know, just like everything else, we get to everything eventually, and I'm I'm, I'm glad we get to cover cover this album this week. It's it's, it's I can't believe it's twenty three years old. It's kind of crazy, but. Uh, before we before we talk about all things Nevermore, did you hear anything else this week that kind of caught your ear? Yeah, a couple of uh, a couple of uh, singles that dropped uh, that I thought were um, interesting. Um, let's see, I'm just uh, going through my things here. Yes, yeah, so um, uh, Metalite has a new single from their upcoming album Expedition One, which I'm uh, looking forward to. I don't know that it's going to be out this year though um i do believe it is slated for uh, a 2024 release um i probably should double check that but um they're still dropping singles so and that we're running out of time um but good stuff from them the song's called aurora um then the uh, new band alterium um the uh the the remnants of um the uh, uh I'm, my brain is uh is not working um the the band that had broken up the italian uh the symphonic power metal band um with nicoletta rossellini on vocals um this is her new project uh they have an album that i believe won't be out until next year also um there's a new single sirens call um another really good tune and uh and i friend- think you're thinking of Calidia, right yes Calidia, thank you um and and uh, I, I would be remiss not to mention a friend of the podcast, uh Johannes Freakholm. Uh his band Skyblazer released a um a holiday themed single called Night of the Meek, which um you can get on uh you know any of your streaming platforms and iTunes and uh, I believe it's on Bandcamp as well, but it's a nice I little I didn't know that came out. I gotta check that out. Yeah, yeah, just definitely a nice little uh holiday, you know, holiday esque song for the you know perfect for the season um and uh as far as albums go uh i had forgotten that axon star had a new album 
that just came out uh, last week, um, and the album is called Chapter 8. And uh, I, I listened to it uh, the other day, and uh, it was quite good. Um, I, I'm not super familiar with their full albums. I've always, like, just picked and chose random songs over the years from them that I've really liked. So this is, I think, maybe one of the first times I sat down and really listened to one of their full albums, but it's quite good. I mean, if you're uh, into their style of power metal, I uh, I recommend it. Um, a couple of singles have come out. Um, the, uh, the Flame of Victory being one of them, Through the Fire and Brimstone is another one, and uh, I'm I'm not remembering the name of the first single, but um, good. it's a solid album. And, and uh, it's something I'm going to have to listen to a few more times as I um, get ready to put together this end of the year list as we, uh, we, we, you know, move into the final month of the year and, and get all of our thoughts, uh, you know, organized and, and figure out where everything, uh, everything lands at the end of the day. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, that time of year. I am starting to see other lists either come out or people kind of start talking about, um, you know, their kind of the year in reviews or whatever. Uh, I know Glenn Harveston from Prog Power had, had put out his list. Uh, one album actually off that list that kind of really caught my ear was a band out of the Netherlands called Blackbriar. He had described them as basically early within temptation. So immediately I was curious to say the least, because that is a sound I long for from that band to this day. And I don't think we're getting it again, but this, uh, this band Blackbriar does a nice job. They came out with an album earlier this year. It was called the dark euphony. And um, I got to check out the rest of the album. I heard one or two songs and I'm like, this is, this has potential to say the least. It was refreshing to kind of go back and hear that, you know, symphonic, dark, uh, you know, metal thing that they, that, that, you know, almost with the Gothic tinge that within temptation did so well, really, really interesting stuff. And I'm curious to hear the, the accent star as well. I've been following their whole career. And, um, although they're not my favorite power metal band, I, I don't think there's a disappointing album in the lot. So, um, I'll get to it. It's going to be um, it's going to be something I definitely check out this week, uh, along with the Blackbriar. So uh, good stuff to good stuff. Lots of singles coming out. Uh, the new Persephone single came out, albeit with a new singer. I have not heard that yet, but I've heard mixed reviews about that. I'm kind of wondering, you know, this might be the 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 end of them in some ways if 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 the singer doesn't kind of catch on. But you know, like I said, it's it's as we get into the end of the year. We see a lot fewer and fewer albums come out, but we see more and more singles for albums that are scheduled quarter one of next year. So the year is wrapping up, my friend. We'll have those best of lists uh, done in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure. Uh, without a doubt. It's uh, it's funny because I feel like before you can even get your list down to paper, you're already starting to get these new January albums you know, I remember this last year with there was a bunch of stuff that I was really excited about that came out super early in the year that um, I've been listening to throughout the year, uh, including, you know, Delane's new album, just to name one, um, that just came out super early in the year and that I, you know, I, I remember being excited uh, about, um, you know, the the Sky, Sky Blazers uh, full length debut album came out, I think it was available possibly even in late 2020 
two, uh, but I'm considering it a 2023 release, I think, because that was when it was widely uh, dis- distri- distributed. So, um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be a very quick transition as usual, I'm sure. But uh, I'm looking forward to hearing um, our lists because it's always like around 50% uh, agreement and then 50% me saying who. So, uh, <laughs> so it should be should be interesting. Uh, definitely, definitely possible. But, um, if you want to hear your album selected on a future episode, do consider joining our Patreon, like the folks that are hearing their Nevermore episode today. Uh, it is definitely a great way to support the show. If you like what we're doing, give us a like and a follow on all of our social media platforms. The links are down below, uh, no matter what format you are listening to this in. But yeah, it's uh, this. This is going to be an exciting one. I I, I want to kind of start before we even get into the nitty gritty of Dead Heart. I just want to talk about the band itself. How familiar are you with them as as a band? And and obviously, um, you know this, you know album and everything else. I I, I think that for many, this is probably their most popular and and arguably their. Um, most widely accessible release. I'm curious for you though, did you hear, had you heard this album? Had you heard of the band? Kind of what's your familiarity with them as we, as we kind of set the stage here? Um, so yeah, I've always like considered them to be one of those important bands that I just never got around to like really giving a, a chance to, I think the album I probably listened to the most was dreaming neon black. Uh, particularly the the title track, I was very familiar with. Um, I don't think I ever listened to Dead Heart start to finish until this week. Although I had heard, uh, you know, random songs here and there. Like I'm just scrolling through my iTunes, and like all of my Nevermore albums have like smatterings of songs that I've listened to a bunch of times, and other songs that I haven't really listened to much at all. Um, and, you know, I didn't realize until uh, Sanctuary had headlined at Prague Power years ago uh, when Warhol was still with us that, um, you know, that that Nevermore was kind of like the, the logical progression from that band. Um, so because it was interesting to me that Sanctuary, you know, was chosen to headline Prague Power. And I went to look at their material and I was like, well, this band didn't really do much. Like, you know, I think there was like a one full length album and an, and an, an EP and a live album, something like that. I was like, wow, this band must've really made, uh, made, you know, uh, a lot of noise with just the small amount of material. But now I'm starting to realize that probably the, the history with Nevermore that followed was part of the, the cachet that got them that headlining slot at, at Prague power. But, uh, I, I gave Sanctuary a pretty good listen around that time as well. And it's interesting to see how the two bands uh, differ, um, you know, quite a bit, actually, especially the the way the vocals are. It's very, even though it's the same singer, it's very different. But yeah, this is really like my first, like just repeatedly listening to a Nevermore album. I listened to this album uh, six times. Um, wow. Yeah. Okay. Cause I really, really wanted to get a feel for it. And, and it, the first couple of listens, it really kind of, uh, it, it kind of melded together to me, like a lot of albums do. But the, the more I listened to it, the more it kind of, um, each song started to develop its own personality and flavor for me. So I, I, 
I actually asked to like delay our recording slightly just so I could listen to it one more time. And I'm kind of glad that I did because I feel like each time I listen to it, each song feels a bit more distinct than it did before. I, I feel like I could have listened to the song I, even a handful more times and, and gotten more nuances and pulled out more, um, more little things about it that I probably didn't get the first time, but it was a surprisingly dense experience. Um, and it's a, a fairly um, meaty album, especially after last week's 30 minute, uh, mm. you know, you know, quick in and out, uh, you know, Slayer album. Um, this is, this is uh, definitely to me has, as you put it earlier, a lot more meat on the bone. Yeah, this is um, a lot to touch on there. I'll, I'll start with what you said, you know, in terms of accessibility, I remember when I first heard the album, it was a lot to take on. And I had the same kind of uh, experience that you did where it was a little bit hard for me those first few listens to kind of discern one song from the next for the most part. What, what, but, let me interrupt you for yeah, a second yeah. and ask you a question. When this album came out, uh, how familiar were you with Nevermore at that point in time? So – Ironically enough, when this album came out in 2000, I had just picked up. Actually, I, I had I had not. I was not familiar with the band when the album came out. I was familiar with them in 2001 because I had picked up Dreaming Neon Black during that summer. So I was familiar with Dreaming, but I had not yet picked up this album. And then I wound up seeing them in concert, opening for Sabotage. Where, by the way, and I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit, but they played almost all of this album. And then I wound up picking up this album. Got so it. that was kind of my intro to the band. I was like an album behind, if you will. And I started listening to them into in the summer of uh, the summer of 2001. Cool. Yeah. So, but just like I was saying, the um, I, I appreciate what you're saying in terms of it took a while for these songs to kind of differentiate themselves, but when they do, you realize how different they actually are from one another once you kind of know what you're getting yourselves into. And in many ways, I would argue that for a while, Dreaming Neon Black was my favorite album of theirs. Uh, but this one, I think, has probably eclipsed it, or at least it's up there. I really, really like this album. And there's certain songs on here that just are some of my all-time favorite songs by any artist. In full disclosure, I'm not a huge never, uh, not not a huge Sanctuary fan. I've seen them live, albeit I didn't see them with Whirl, but like, I, I for some reason that early sanctuary stuff just is a bit of a miss. It's it's kind of like a new s approach to thrash metal, which is fine. It's just not really my favorite thing. And you mentioned it earlier. Warl sounds completely different on those albums, but in the wake of of some creative differences with with that band, who I you know sanctuary, I, I think the plan was to go into more of a a grunge style and. And mind you, these guys are from Seattle, and, and that's going to play into a little bit of what we talk about later. But, you know, Warl Dane was obviously, you know, the front man for Sanctuary. Jim Shepard, the bass player, was obviously in Sanctuary. And Jeff Loomis had recently joined Sanctuary, and I think he left the band about four months prior. I should say he joined about four months prior to the band folding. And then, you know, a couple of years later, they would bring on uh, – Van Williams to to drum for them and and this lineup this core lineup of, of Nevermore would be together until the very end until they they broke up in 2011 due to you know what what had been cited as creative differences 
I'm lucky to say that I saw them live the one time I saw them opening for Sabotage. That was something I will never forget. It was at the Birch Hill Nightclub in New Jersey. And it was a really interesting show because I was going for Sabotage. But I remember telling Pat, I want to get there early to see Nevermore because I knew Dreaming Neon Black. And I was hoping they kind of played a lot from it. And, and little did I know they would wind up playing only one song from the album. 70% of the set list was from this album. And I'm like, wow, there's some really cool stuff here. And I picked it up shortly after the show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. Um, I never really, unfortunately, had a chance to see the band uh, perform live, although I did get to see Sanctuary. I never got to see Nevermore, oddly enough. I'm sure that's probably the opposite of most people's experience. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is that as we... Uh... You know, as the even though the band broke up in 2011, I, I I know that there was discussions about you know possibly getting the band back together and some shows that were being talked about, and then there was Worrell's untimely passing, which unfortunately was a shock to just about everyone, and and just everything came to a grinding halt, and and with that the band you know ended, and and I don't they they I I'm confident when I say they will never get back together because you can't have somebody else sing for this band. And I mean that uh, it's just nevermore without Warl just doesn't work. And I think there's something to be said for having the same lineup and for having that continuity for every single album and tour. Uh, They were really hitting their stride. And again, before we even get into the album, I think the most fascinating thing for me is that if this band did a reunion tour today, I think they would be massive. I think this is a band that would play big venues um, almost in the in, in the mold of a Sabaton or something like that, where they would just tour relentlessly and play big, big, you know, rooms in the United States. It's just a shame that it never really happened. And as successful as they were and used to see their T-shirts everywhere in the 2000s and stuff like that. I remember Mike had a Nevermore sticker on the bumper of his car. And I don't even think, I'm not even sure he ever listened to Nevermore. (laughs) I'm not even sure where he got that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, this band had like a cult-like following. And it's just a shame that we never got to get kind of the closure that I think a lot of fans wanted. And I'm not saying I'm the biggest fan on the planet, but I, I certainly 
definitely consider myself a fan of the band and, and lucky enough to have seen them, you know, in their prime. I, I think there would have definitely been a big clamoring for that. And um, I'm sure there was uh, discussions had, um, but I just know that like the different members of the band, um, you know, Jeff Loomis in particular um, got involved. I, he's an arch enemy now, if, I, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And, and it's just, you know, once you get locked into a band that's such a full-time, you know, band like Arch Enemy is, it's kind of hard to get away and, and, and kind of get everybody back on the same page to do a reunion. And then by the time, uh, Warhol passed away, it was kind of like, I think just, you know, too, you know, too late for, for something like that. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, that at the same time, you know, they left, they left us with uh, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of albums to, to go back to and dig through. And, and this, this is, uh, this is one of them. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking since we have two pe- two people that requested this, we'll, we'll bookend our discussion with, uh, our two, uh, our two requesters comments. Um, I will, uh, I'll, I'll kick it off with Keith Nichols comments first. Um, he says, uh, I've been a fan of Nevermore for over 20 years. Waraldane is a poet with some of the best lyrics ever put to music. His singing voice is both haunting and soulful. I miss him like crazy. Jeff Loomis is a guitar god whose riffs cut right through like a saw. I chose this album solely because it contains The River Dragon Has Come, which is their finest song in my opinion. I wish they were still together somehow, creating more thought-provoking music for the metal masses. So that was uh, Keith's... um, little blurb on nevermore we'll uh we'll we'll read dave's uh at the at, at the end while we wrap up i think it'll make for a nice little uh you know comment sandwich if you will um but uh yeah it, it's it's cool to just see you know the um the fandom and the and the fond memories people have of this album in particular yeah well very well said keith um thank you so much for the request you know, just kind of giving a background on on some of these guys. Jim Jim Shepard was obviously in Sanctuary, played with Nevermore throughout their entire career, and and has not done anything else really since um, since leaving Nevermore. I think that back, I think a couple of years ago he started a new project called Dead Heart Collective. Obviously, you know, keeping the Nevermore flame alive in certain respects, but it never really got off the ground. I'd never heard anything by them. And, and, and obviously you mentioned, um, Jeff Loomis and, and Arch Enemy, which is, you know, really big. They're, they're a huge, huge band. And, you know, Van Williams has been playing with, uh, Ashes of Aries, uh, back in 2013, when you go back to, um, you know, you know, the collaboration with, um, you know, Iced Earth. And obviously when you go ahead to Ghost Ship Octavius, who had quite a bit of success with their two releases. Um, but unfortunately, uh, I know that he's doing a lot of guesswork at this point and, and, and whatnot. And, and I know that he's got some other projects in the works, but you know, Ghost Ship was a band that I'd seen multiple times in concert. I could, we could probably do uh, a whole, you know, we should probably do the ghost ship album at one point because that debut album was fantastic and, 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 and very proggy, very dark. And, and they played live a lot, but great, great band. And then ultimately, um, you know, 
Warhol was gone and that was it. So it's, it's, you know, there's like little ashes of this, but it's, it's definitely not what it, they didn't go out the way we would have liked, but I'm glad we got the request. And, and as we kind of dig into dead heart, the album came out October 17th of 2000. Uh, it was, it was a very interesting release because the, the album proper has 11 tracks. And then there's three rather interesting bonus tracks on the back end of this thing. I'm going to ask you maybe the hardest question that I asked you the entire night, and that's what or how would you categorize this band in terms of if you had to put them in a genre, what the hell are they? I, You know, it's funny. I actually thought about this before you asked, and I think the easiest thing would be kind of like a thrashy prog. Um, but there, there's a little bit of power metal elements to it here and there, but I, I think that it's more progressive than power metal, uh, but there's it, there's definitely a, a real crunchy and thrashiness to it. So it, it, if I were to put it in you know a, a more generalized car- category, I would say thrashy prog, <laughs> and and that's great. I hear prog, I hear thrash, I hear straight up heavy metal, I hear a touch of power metal. They're kind of unique in that they really don't sound much like anybody else. And I don't know that there's ever a band that I've heard of before or after where I said, ah, that sounds like Nevermore. They're kind of on an island all by themselves. I've heard a lot of thrash. I've heard every prog album that's probably come out in the last 25 years. Nothing sounds like this. Uh, I mean, the one, one exception that I would probably give is this band called Communic. But even them, it's just a poor man's version of Nevermore in my eyes. And I never really got into them. I thought they were actually kind of second rate in many regards. Because if I wanted to listen to Communic, I would just go listen to Nevermore. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. Never poor. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so let's, uh, let's, let's get into it. This album is – it's meaty. It really is. And I'm even just talking about the 11 tracks proper. Not that you have any 18-minute tracks on this thing. But you just have a lot of, you know, four and five minute songs, and it's just kind of a barrage of of sounds and ideas on this thing, with an overarching dark feeling, and I and almost like an evergrey. Not that they sound like evergrey, but it just has this dark feel to it. And I think you can say that about a lot of their albums, not just in terms of the riffs and the and the feel, but the lyrics as well. I mean, this is not uplifting flower power metal and that's why i was kind of curious to see if you were going to enjoy this at all because it's kind of out of your comfort zone a little bit in that it's somewhat accessible but rather dark and dreary and and not much positivity in in, in what you're hearing yeah and that and i'm okay with that it's you know as long as it's paired with um you know some good you know good melodies and uh you know you know good instrumentation which this without a doubt has this also i think this album is very well produced um and uh and a lot of times i'm a big and i've mentioned this before i'm a big big vocals are a make or break part of the experience for me particularly in metal and so that was a big part of it for me like will i enjoy the the waraldine uh you know down an octave uh ex- experience um but I, I will say i give the guy a lot of credit because um i don't know if it was a a conscious decision to sing in a different style or it was just like i you know it could just be like that high-pitched wail that he was doing with sanctuary just wasn't uh 
it, it just wasn't feasible something... anymore. Almost. Yeah, or just like it just you know doing it live constantly probably really puts a strain on things. I'm sure he probably prolonged his voice by going into this little more of a, a you know lower register. Um, but I also think that it works with this style of music. I don't know that the sanctuary style would fit this like you know so i think it it works out well but um i really grew to enjoy his lyric uh his um his vocals quite a bit uh listening to this album did you get any influences that were maybe um I'll say it this way. As you were listening to the album, we'll get into it obviously track by track, but did you hear any influences that were surprising or anything that kind of popped when you were listening to this? One song reminded me a lot of Simon and Garfunkel. Um, Well, yes. Well, at least for for the first few measures, but uh, we'll we'll get to that. It's one Uh, of the most fascinating. Honestly, to to be honest, like nothing – I didn't hear anything where it just like immediately rang out to me. Like this reminds me of so-and-so I don't remember really hearing a, a vocalist that sounded quite like Warl Dean. Um, I think that the sound is pretty, pretty original to me, pretty unique. Um, I'm sure you, you'll probably mention something and it'll click, but I, there wasn't anything that really jumped out to me, especially in 2000. Um, there's probably been more things that, pulled from this more so than they that nevermore pulled from stuff before them um all said so that yeah but even then like i wasn't really picking up again this is not like the type of music i typically gravitate towards anyway so it's possible that there's stuff out there like you said communic you know kind of in that vein but um it, it it felt pretty it felt like a pretty unique experience to me um but it definitely had a little bit of a almost kind of like a sludginess to it, um, you know? Well, I'll tell you why. And it's it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I don't know that this is going to totally resonate, but this band really just was part of that Seattle scene. And so while there's some people have basically said that they're like the darker version of Queensryche, and I can kind of hear that, the reality is there's a lot of kind of grunge in Seattle alt-rock that's on this album, but just taken to a whole nother level. And I say that because, um, you know, when they were recording those early Nevermore albums, Alice in Chains was in town, Soundgarden was in town. So like there was a lot of overlap between those big time rock bands that that were on American radio for, for the better part of the 90s and Nevermore. And they were, obvi- you know, without getting, you know, too much behind the curtain. They were all friends. They were, they were, they were, um, you know, sharing studio space and playing gigs together in those early days. And then they just went in two separate directions. I mean, Seattle was, was obviously the, where, where Nevermind and, and Nirvana, you know, cut their teeth. But when you listen to a Soundgarden or an Alice in Chains, they kind of are just this. And then Nevermore takes it to the next level by being a little bit faster much more technically proficient and quite frankly, just more metal than they were. And, but it's the same nucleus and kind of the same sound, I guess, in many ways that was the progeny of what this was. Yeah. It's, I think we've mentioned in the past that like Allison chains was like, they had like one foot in the, in the door with metal. It's they just never took like the full plunge. They were, they definitely straddled that, that fence between metal and alt rock and they did it better than anybody 
Uh, but I think Nevermore was like, well, this is what it would sound like if it was full blown metal. Um, you know, and, and so I think that's cool that like, that's where the, um, the band kind of, uh, stems from and that like, oh, well, here's what happens when you grow, when you like grow up in that Seattle scene and you decide to just go full metal instead of being, you know, grungy or alty or whatever, like everybody else was. Uh, so that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, and and I think that that resonates throughout. But uh, the album kicks off with a song called Narcosynthesis. And ironically enough, although the song has kind of grown on me more and more over the years, it's actually one of my least favorite songs on the album. I, I like it. I just think that there's so much good stuff that comes afterwards that um, it's a bit – it's a bit um, – I don't know, I guess pales compared to some of the other stuff on here. But that being said, I can't imagine this album with, with a different track to start. I think that one of the best things about this album is the way that it's laid out. And the track order is really, really good. And it kind of takes the listener on a ride. But this thing starts off with a riff that just kind of hits you imme- immediately. There are no frills. And once Warl starts singing, his vocals, even though he's in a lower register than he was on those Sanctuary albums, it is an unmistakable voice with just a different approach to the whole thing. I love that there's like these layered vocals in spots on this track, and it's really just this headbanger of a tune. And then all of a sudden, it just kind of slows down just a bit, almost like doomy, and it just gives this whole other quality to the track. Um like I said, this this is a really interesting piece to start the album off with and it has grown on me tremendously over the years. I, I don't know that I cared for it much, uh, you know, 20 plus years ago, but now it's it's definitely, uh, it, it has its place as the opening track. You know, we've talked a lot about Dream Theater in recent weeks. Do you think that, that this album had any influence on Dream Theater's Train of Thought album? Because like there's kind of a, a heaviness that... I feel like Dream Theater kind of visited that air that that area and then and then said, "Okay, we're good. We'll go back to like what yeah." We they left do. Nevermore to do it themselves. And, and to be honest with you, I think you're right. I I I hadn't thought about that, but you make a great point. Train of thought, and and that obviously deserves its own episode. Train of thought. Dream Theater was trying to go for a metal album, and at the time, Nevermore was really gaining popularity with not only this album, but Dreaming Neon Black, which came before it, and and a lot of the stuff that would come after it. I have no doubt that Mike Portnoy and and John Petrucci heard this album and and other stuff that was going on, because Nevermore was everywhere at the time. They really were. It wouldn't shock me that they're like, you know what, we need to do something in this style. And then ultimately we're like, you know what, we'll just leave it to Nevermore to kind of stay, stay in their lane. It wouldn't shock me at all. Yeah, there's just, there's just, you know, it's, it's just that, that opening track got got me thinking because it has more of that kind of, um, like thrashy guitar sound, like, right. It just kicks right off. Like this, like you said, like really just balls to the wall right off the bat. Um, and that just kind of got me thinking about how that train of thought album started. And it's funny that the same year, you know, Halloween would release the dark ride, which is arguably, you know, the darkest album they ever released. And mind you, I'm sure that had absolutely no bearing on this album or vice versa. It just was ironically around that same time, but it was almost like, you know, bands were feeling like they wanted to do something a little bit 
a little bit heavier, a little bit darker, a little bit down, more down tuned, if you will. Um, and, so. and this is the first time that Jeff Lunas kind of played with a seven string guitar. And I think it's really prevalent on the disc because, uh, take it, take the next track. We disintegrate. This one is even faster, even thrashier. And although it has dual guitars at certain points with like the souls and everything, it's all Jeff Loomis. He's just obviously recording multiple parts, but it's just so down tuned, much like the rest of the album that did you find that jarring or were you kind of into it? Because it's definitely different than, than a lot of the power metal that you're used to. No, it wasn't jarring because it was consistent. And, and so like, that's, I mean, like you said, they, they, they kick off the album with like this perfect song to, to start with. And then it just sets the tone. I really love how we disintegrate kicks off with that really speedy, uh, just that speedy guitar, um, just really kick ass way to, get into the next song which i think is great because narcosynthesis is kind of a more of a, a mid-tempo song and this song definitely picks up the pace a little bit this is one of my uh one of the songs i like most on the album honestly uh, not nice. my song of the week but i i like this one quite a bit yeah i i i like this one a lot as well i, I love how it slows down a bit during the chorus and i think that it's rather effective to contrast the the fast thrashy verses with the with the slowed down chorus very, very melodic, just dark, right? It's dark yet melodic, which is kind of an interesting combination. Um, and it kind of ends with this like creepy horror movie soundtrack uh, ending to it. It's kind of an intriguing end to to, um, to a song. It's, and it's the, and of- the song has a great chorus. Like the, a lot, this this album has a lot of choruses that really, I think, have, uh, really hooky. Like they just hook you right in. And this was one of them. That I just it it's the way Warl sings like in this kind of creepy like you yeah. know like depressing kind of way it really fits it's it's really well done i i i thought this was a uh a really cool track and definitely was uh in consideration for my song of the week without a doubt nice i i i appreciate that um the 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 traveling down the road continues with inside four walls which is another banger I love Van Williams' drumming on this tune. I think it's such a nice compliment to Loomis's guitar playing, and it's very proggy. I mean, when there's a when, when I think of like the proggy side of Nevermore, I think of a track like this. It's it's a song about prison, and the lyrics, you know, based on my day job, resonate with me a lot. Based on you know what I do, so I, I as you can imagine, I have a, an appreciation for it there. One of my and and, favorite- and your job is you're a prison guard in Cobb County, Georgia, correct? Yes, me, me, and me, and me, and Ray Trailer. Um, but it's, it's. I don't know that. Like, I love the guitar solo on this song. I, I think it's just flawlessly executed, and I love how the drum beats play off the guitar solo, which is not something I would normally say um, when a guitar player is is kind of doing their thing. The one knock I have, if I have to get picky, is that I don't love the chorus on this one, but the rest of the song is so good that it almost doesn't matter to me. Um, what did you think of Inside Your Four Walls? Uh, another really solid tune. Um, I didn't like it as much as the preceding song and the following song, but um, I, I thought it was solid. I, I, I Again, I, I will, like I say on a lot of these albums that we talk about, I, there really weren't any songs I disliked on this album um i thought this one was solid uh good tune but um there were songs that i liked a bit more i i I think that's fair um i think that the next track is really interesting and i'll I'll get to it in a little bit but what are your thoughts on evolution 169 
this was my favorite song on the album and it was like the as soon as i heard it like the first time i was like oh yeah something about it just struck me a little bit different it might again like i mentioned before about the core the chorus and we and we disintegrate this has such a, a chorus that i got stuck in my head it kept repeating it i woke up this morning and it was literally in my head <laughs> um great. so i i really like this song again it has that um that really like you know depressing grungy gritty like downtrodden uh low low register vocal in the chorus and then that goes up to the you know evolution 169 like it it's 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 great this is you know all the things i liked about this album that this is like the epitome of it all in in one song so um let's give it a listen and then i'm excited to hear what uh you have to say about it but uh yeah this this one was definitely my favorite right from right from the get go So Evolution 169 is one of the most interesting tracks on the album for me. The way I would describe it is that the song is simply better than it has any right to be. And I don't know why I say that, but like that chorus you mentioned is absolutely infectious. And for some reason, it was stuck in my head all week too. And there were times I'd be getting up from my desk at work and I'd start singing to myself and I'm like, I'm singing Evolution 169 as I walk down the hallway. And if only I, people were in the hallway, they'd be looking at me like, what the hell are you doing? But I definitely hear the sound garden and the, and the, and the, and the Alice in Chains on this track. And I don't know why, but for some reason I hear the Seattle roots on this song more than many of the others on this one. Um, I love the dual vocals on the verses. I love the guitar tone. And, and like I said, the chorus is, just infectiously catchy. And, and this was the one where I said to myself, nobody sounds like this band. Nobody, no, no band writes songs like this, but God bless. And then we get to the next one. The river dragon has come and, and Keith mentioned it in his little blurb earlier. This was one of the first two nevermore songs that I absolutely fell in love with. I should say one of the first three. Dreaming Neon Black, the title track, was why I bought that first album. And I, there's some great material on that album. Like I said, it was my favorite for a while. But when I heard this track, I was like blown away by by this song. I think it is easily one of their best songs. Maybe their best song. It's it's not going to be my song of the week. 
but it easily could have been. And if you've never heard this song, stop what you're doing. Go play The River Dragon Has Come. This song is ridiculous. And it starts out almost like Tears of a Dragon by Bruce Dickinson, which is ironic because a lot lot of dragons. But at the end of the day, it starts (laughs) off like a ballad. And then all of a sudden that riff kicks in. And I'm like, holy, like, where is this thing going? Amazing drumming throughout the most powerful verses arguably on the whole album and another infectious chorus. This is so proggy, but so innovative. It's not, it's not dream theater, right? Like this is not your dream theater prog. This is not your fate's warning. It's just like almost modern prog in a way at the time. And back in 2000, um, the great pre-chorus that just leads up to the, the big build. Fantastic. And I have to say, the bass on this album is, is is not always the most prevalent, but on this song, it is so clear and resonates so much. This is a phenomenal song, and I and, and I thought it was going to be my song of the week because I know I love it, but I decided to go with something else. Awesome. Um, that's great stuff. I'm really glad you mentioned uh, Bruce Dickinson because it reminded me that I grabbed his new single and forgot to listen to it. <laughs> So, uh, happy to help. yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. I will go back to that and maybe I'll report back next week on what <laughs> I think about that. I've seen a lot of positive comments about that, uh, but that's a little sidebar. Um, yeah, um, a, a good song, a really good song, I should say. Um, I like that there seems to be a word we like to use around here, some noodling going on uh, towards the end of the song. And, and so... One of the things that I really like about this band is that it's not just thrashy guitars. There's also some real technical stuff going on as well. And I think that that is definitely appealing, at least to me. Um, th- this It's interesting. I don't know why I, I never listen to this band more because it's definitely a band that I, I enjoy. Like, you know, it's not going to be uh, anything that like blows me out of the water. But, I mean, it's really, really just above average solid stuff uh, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I'll have to, I'm sure we'll cover another album at some point, but this was a, a great starting point for me. I think. I love it. I love it. And and the, what's interesting is the, the middle of this album is, is, is some of the best stuff on the entire thing. Like it really takes off. And I think the heart collector is, is another track in that mold. It's really for me three just gems in a row. A row. Um, this song is slower, almost doomy, um, like almost like a candle mass thing going on. It's 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 very deliberate, but just as powerful. And then all of a sudden, that guitar solo comes in before the verse. The first verse, very emotional. Um, the verses are almost like an acoustic ballad, which is something that they kind of start experimenting with, but the chorus is just as powerful. And I, to be honest, um, what a great live tune this song is like, this was one of the songs they played live when I saw them and the crowd went bonkers for this thing. It's a beautiful tune and, and quite frankly was up there for another song of the week candidate for me. Same with me. I like this one a lot. It's, um, it's got some really good acoustic guitar uh going on which i like a lot um i thought uh, another really ca- like catchy ass chorus um and weirdly enough i don't know why this the title of the song just reminded me had i heard this song before and then i listened to it and i was like i don't think i have but it, it sounded familiar uh, i don't know why um but uh <laughs> I, I this was one of my favorites as well really um Really good tune, and, and yeah, like it's probably other than 
believe in nothing it was probably one of the more mellow tracks on the album as far as like mellow goes i don't think there's any like real you know ballady i mean this one's has kind of a ballady kind of vibe to it the way that it's constructed it's like a heavy ballad i guess but uh, this is a really well done tune i like this one nice i i'm glad you like it um as, as we kind of move along to the back half of the album we get to engines of hate which ironically was on this tour the song that they used to kind of kick off the uh you know the the, the their set list this thing is all over the place but it's heavy i mean like a freight train coming at you this song the way the low end and the way the drums just kind of move this thing along it's like a driving force i i don't love the verses i think the chorus is is not one of the best on the album but at the same time it's basically just like this massive low end sound that kind of hits you over the head and makes for a real banger my question is did it remind you of someone? And I, because it reminded me almost of like a Camelot, but without the symphonic elements and just heavier. I, but I am not sure I love the description, but it, this, this song reminds me of someone and it's hard for me to place. It, remind, it reminds me of like some early Voyager I've heard, at least the, the guitar mm. riffs of it. Um, I can't think of the song in particular, but probably like, probably like, I am the revolution or uh meaning of I probably meaning of I like that kind okay. of um maybe even that song um just that really like kind of that's I think meaning of I is like a dark, kind of a darker Voyager song um I never sure. thought I'd be of comparing Voyager to Nevermore but here we are um I hadn't even really thought of it until just now re-listening to the song again and that the riff about halfway through the song um just it reminded me and i really do actually do think it's that i think it is the song the meaning of i which is a title track from their fourth album um just the guitar like not really much of anything else but um there is i think a li- at least a little bit of some parallelism going on there um this wasn't one of my favorite songs i really do like the ones that had the more mel- like melodic choruses to it which i sure. don't think this one did as much, but again, like I said, no bad songs on this album, and 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 there's a, just a lot of good stuff happening musically here. Um, just a little bit more straightforward and 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 uh, and dark uh, rather than uh, having as many melodies as say the previous song did, or Evolution, or We Disintegrate, which were some of my favorites on the album thus far. So. You know, we, we haven't talked that much about the lyrics, but Warl Dane is credited with all the lyrics on the album. And, you know, Jeff Loomis is credited with all the songwriting and composition, except for the next track, because he <laughs> co-wrote this, so to speak, with uh, a musician you may have heard of by the name of Paul Simon. And this is a cover of The Sound of Silence. And I have to be honest with you. I think Nevermore does a great job with their covers. There's another one as a bonus track on this album as well. I'm going to kick this one off to you. I know you know the original. What did you think of this cover? I have thoughts. Um, <laughs> if if you go back and listen to our Slayer episode, which was literally <laughs> the last episode we did, um, I, I read a quote uh, from, uh, I can't remember, the one of the members of Slayer, I forgot which, talking about, the um the version of uh of rain rain raining blood that was done by um Tori Amos and 
the his his reaction was just that like he didn't even realize it was a cover until halfway through the song and uh that's how i felt about this it, it, he put the words perfectly for something that is just <laughs> on a different plane um the only similarity between this and the original version of this song is that the lyrics are the same um they made their own version of the sound of silence and basically just used the lyrics but i mean it really is a an original composition at least musically um i feel like giving paul simon writing credit was only done out of a legal necessity because Paul Simon, I think, would listen to this and be like, okay, I really, you didn't borrow any sort of uh, musical, like, melodies from me. Like, it's a completely original, in my opinion, a completely original piece set to the lyrics. Like, if you're expecting the disturbed cover of Sound of Silence, uh, you've come to the, the wrong place. Who else covered this song? Did Queensryche cover this song at one point as well, or did I make that up? I think they did Scarborough Affair, if oh, I'm not that's, mistaken. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of. Another but, uh, Simon and Garfunkel classic. And another Seattle band. But let, let me just say this. When you read that quote last week, I was laughing to myself because I'm like, you've seen nothing, Kerry King. You've seen <laughs> nothing, right? And then other than the opening riff, which is just, again, the use of that seven-string guitar, other than the opening riff, the song is completely different, to your point. And it's almost obviously I've always thought the lyrics were beautiful. The, the lyrics to the song are great, but when you set it to this really dark music, it's there's something beautiful to it. And I love how it almost out of nowhere, just like speeds up and it's like, Holy smokes. What that, what is, what is this? It has this epic fast finish to it. Really, really cool. Again, you put the even, two songs. Next even to the each vocal other. melodies are completely rewritten as completely well. Like rewritten. Yeah. I, I think it's. I think it was just a really interesting composition. I'm kind of um, glad they did it this way because I was honestly expecting like a dark version, but of the you know with the same melody. And the fact that they kind of just went their own way with it is really cool. Uh, it, I didn't you like it. Get it to cover it. Almost if you didn't know any better, it would have been. It could have been a, a rose by any other name. You yeah, would have. Well, had if, no it, idea if the lyrics was. were different, you did no way would you say to yourself, "Oh, this reminds me of the Sound of Silence" by Simon and Garfunkel. Like, just no, it would never happen. Like, uh, but it's pretty cool. Like, I didn't like it at first because I think it caught me off guard. But as, the more I listened to it, I was like, "This is really cool what they did here." Because most people don't cover a song and just completely kind of make it their own. It's usually some derivative of that original song. Like you, I mean, we shit, like we talked about the, so, however many bands that covered Halloween over the years. It's not like any of them ever like said, I'm going to really like go outside the box. Like Sonata Arca and like say like, you know, they've done, I want out the, like 800 bands have covered this. We're going to do it differently. No, they all did it exactly the same way. Um, just, more finish, I guess. Um, uh, well, to, to, to Nevermore's credit, one of the bonus tracks on this album is "Love Bites," which is a uh, a Judas Priest song that a lot of people know. And I have to, and I'll just kind of shoehorn it in here because I think it fits. This is a more traditional cover, albeit in the Nevermore style. I'm not sure if you've ever heard the original. It is not my favorite Judas Priest track, but I think it's an awesome cover. I actually prefer the cover to the original. Um, and another catchy tune. Um, thanks to the songwriting combo behind Judas Priest, but um, a good cover if, if if you're looking for if you like Judas Priest or if you want to hear Nevermore's take on it, I think you could hear a lot worse. 
Oh, that's interesting. My copy of this album did not have any of the bonus tracks, so I'm going to have to defer to you on that. But um, that's cool. I'd like to hear that. But uh, yeah, very cool, very cool, uh, different version of Sound of Silence. I wonder, I really do wonder if um, Paul Simon or, or Art Garfunkel ever, this ever got came across their desk, so to speak, and, and they ever got a chance to listen to it. I mean, their reaction I would I would watch a Paul Simon would, reaction video of him listening to this. Hell yeah! And if he hasn't, <laughs> I, I mean, there's still time. I would pay good money to see that. Um, and, and they follow up this. It's funny. It's almost like the heaviest song on the album. It's 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 just bananas. But we get to insignificant, which has this awesome, beautiful acoustic guitar intro, which is just beautiful. And then all of a sudden, that electric guitar riff comes in with the drums behind it, and it's just such a powerful. Um, contrast and the dichotomy between the two is, is, is really incredible. I think in terms of his vocal stylings, Warl's uh, versatility here is on full display. And uh, another beautiful chorus that I just think gets stuck in your head. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Insignificant. The beginning of the song reminded me a bit of um, the beginning of um, uh, River of Pain by Royal Hunt from their Paradox yeah. album. Just the way that it, it has this kind of almost unassuming acoustic guitar, slow vocal intro, and then it, it picks up. But um, that, again, like very, there were very few moments where things reminded me of other things. And, and I think in this case, it was probably completely coincidental, but um, that's kind of what the beginning of uh, this song reminded me of. But um, it kind of, it, it kind of goes back and forth between like that, kind of um harrowing almost uh like acoustic guitar and then back to that really heavy uh sound which is i think it has a really cool there's just a really cool dichotomy between those two sounds and they mesh it together into one song so perfectly really uh this is a cool track um i uh i think that they end this album really strongly with these last handful of tracks and and this is like uh not to you know, not to downplay Sound of Silence, but these last three tracks I think are really good. Yeah, and and Believe in Nothing is another another one, right? I am surprised. I I had this one in my notes pegged as your song of the week. For some reason, I just thought you were gonna fall in love with this track because when you talk about a song with melody, this song is another one that is an earworm. I remember this is that this is the other song on the album that I just absolutely fell in love with when I first heard it. And I've been playing it nonstop for 20 years. Um, I, I was addicted to this song in the in the 2000s when I was in college and law school. I was just addicted to this song. And then I'm still addicted to it. And it's it's I, I remember waking up this morning and I was singing it and I was singing it at the gym. I just can't stop myself from singing the song. I think it's infectious. Um, I want to share the rest of my thoughts, but I'll just say that it is my song of the week. Uh, I, I love this tune. I'll, I'll get into more detail in a bit, and I certainly uh, want to hear your thoughts. But this is Believe in Nothing from Nevermore's Dead Heart in a Dead World. Into the empty storm, into the formless loss of
this song has like an anthemic quality to it with just the right amount of melody. The verses are like a ballad. And then the chorus is coming with this crunch, this strong, powerful um, force behind it. I, I think that this is like the epitome of great songwriting. And even though it has a bit of a different feel than the rest of the album, um, there's something just so simple and powerful about it that I love it. And then you get, as if the song itself wasn't great, you get into the final chorus where it actually has Jeff Loomis playing guitar solos behind the chorus. And I thought that that was such a cool effect. This guy is such a wildly underrated guitarist. And that's saying something because a lot of people think he's the greatest guitar player in the world or one of them. So uh, really high praise. It's just he's not as well known as some of the uh, other all-time greats. Just a flawless tune. And I'm, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. Uh, love this one. Um, probably would be my song of the week if it were not for uh, Evolution 169. It's a little less dark than that track, I will say. Um, and it definitely has kind of a, a similar construction to uh, a ballad, but I don't know that I would call it like a traditional ballad. It's a little too heavy, I think, to be a ballad, but um, Really, really catchy song um, in, in all respects. Uh, like you said, super melodic, great chorus. Uh, like this one a lot. Um, I just noticed that I was looking at the Wikipedia page for this album, and for genre, it says progressive metal, thrash metal. I swear to God, I didn't read that before <laughs> you asked me that question. It made me laugh. I was just looking at it, and I was like, wait a minute. Uh, I... I, I I didn't use Wikipedia as a crutch for to answer that question. Uh, no, that, you actually edited Wikipedia to go along with your answer. <laughs> yeah, that's, Be- that's before you- that it said uh, cla- classical. Um, yes, <laughs> so I had to update that to make it a little more, uh, you know, accurate. But um, you know, this band, I'm a little bit surprised that they didn't have more of a uh, like a radio presence, or I feel like. They were heavy, though. I mean, this is heavy shit. I feel for the like radio. if they were still around, I feel like they would be on sat- like the heavier stations on satellite radio. Oh, no doubt um, about it. But it, th- I, I feel I like this I've heard fits- them on satellite radio. This would have fit in with some of the heavier stuff that the radio was playing in this time period in the early two thousands. So I'm a little surprised that uh, it, it didn't because I think it, it's ex- I think it's accessible, especially to people that just like heavy, you know, just heavy metal that that really has kind of a a little bit of a, a darker tone to it, but I, I could see this definitely being, you know, it could have been a, a, a more popular than it probably was. And, and I think that the band would grow in popularity over the years in many respects, not necessarily in terms of album sales, but successful tours. And and like I said earlier, I think that if the band had gotten back together as planned, I think that they would have been like, headlining festivals and stuff like that. I really, really do because they had such a loyal following in many regards. Um, but I'd be remiss not to talk about the title track, which is the last track on the album. The intro to this thing really gives me strong Seattle grunge vibes. And then about a minute and a half into the song, it really takes off. And it actually reminds me a lot of some of the stuff on Dreaming Neon Black. So if you like this song, I think you'd be remiss not to check out the rest of that album but the drumming on this tune is just outstanding especially during the instrumental passages some of the um fills that that van uses is just absolutely fantastic a a knock on it is that it's i guess slightly repetitive but it's a hard-hitting song it's a worthy end to the album 
um, even if it is slightly anticlimactic with the repetitiveness? I mean, you really said that perfectly. Um, I, I, I like, I, I agree. The that beginning really gave me like more alt rock vibes. Um, I don't know if it's like darker alt rock, like Nine Inch Nails, which we talked about recently. Um, you know, before things got chaotic, but um, th- this was another one of the choruses that um, I got stuck that got stuck in my head a lot of times. Um, I thought it was a really good good tune to end things on, especially being that like it really drives home the name of the album um being that it's the title track um but it's uh, another really memorable tune and i think a really just um really solid way to just kind of wrap things up i thought this was a really overall uh you know a very good album very good really nice experience and and i i really am glad that uh you know two of our our patreon uh members uh chose this because um not sure I would have listened to it on my own without, you know, you picking it or, or, or one of our, um, you know, listeners. So, uh, it's good stuff. And I'm even looking at our old request list and, and, and sure enough, this is on it. Um, so somebody had requested it at some point, um, prior, uh, we kept the list just in case we needed a little inspiration or something to, play that you know a little bit different uh we kept that list so if you're not a patreon uh, on the patreon and you requested something in the past there's a chance we might still play it it's just uh it'll probably get fast tracked uh if you join the the patreon uh not to, not to shill too much but um you know that's what we we try to we try to really give the the patreon members their uh their money's worth so um did you have a chance to listen to the other bonus tracks beyond the Judas Priest cover? And if so, do you have any thoughts on those? Because I, I did, I just didn't have a chance to. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just speak as to the other two. Um, All the cowards hide is another one that kind of starts you off with this like doomy um, intro. Really, really haunting vocals on this. This, the song itself is really kind of more mid-paced, somewhat pedestrian. Um. I think the great musicianship is certainly on display, but it just misses the mark for me. I, I just think it's a little repetitive and a little bit um, flat. Uh, a good bonus track, but I'm glad that it wasn't on the album proper, and and, and I'm not going to use it as part of my um, score that I ultimately give the album. And Chances 3 is an odd tune, but it's awesome. It, it has almost like a Baroque style to it but it's somehow oddly intoxicating to the listener. It's like a folky ballad. Um, well, you know what they love- say, if it's not Baroque, don't fix it. Yeah, I, 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 I have heard that. Um, love the layered vocals on this, including the baritone um, vocals that are kind of under Warl's leads. Really cool stuff. This song is, I think, a sanctuary demo, if I'm not mistaken, that they kind of repurposed on one of the earlier Nevermore albums and or demos. And then again on this as a, as a bonus track. Really, really interesting way to kind of just end the entire listen. Uh, but all in all, a good experience. And, and, and before we rate the album like we always do, I want to ask you this. Did the album meet or exceed your expectations in terms of kind of what you thought this would be when you saw that we were covering it? I think musically the band pretty much landed where I thought they would just because of the minimal, you know, uh, stuff that I'd heard previously in particular, um, in particular, the, the, the song, um, 
the title track from the the previous album remind me of uh the name uh Dreaming Neon Black. Um I just that song is so awesome the way that it much like the title track on on Dead Heart um starts out like really chill like with this acoustic guitar or whatever and then just kill kicks in and then starts to really kick ass. Um so that, that I think in that respect the band was not it wasn't surprising to me. That said, um the album I thought exceeded my expectations. I, I think that um not by a ton, but I think I liked it more than I, I think I thought I would. Uh especially in my last couple of listens. Um before we give our scores, I just want to read uh, Dave Milburn's uh, blurb that he sent over to us. He was the other re- requester of this album, and, and he kind of uh, lovingly gave us a hard time for taking so long to do this. Uh, in fact, if you didn't see his his post, it basically was just a skeleton on a park bench with the saying, me waiting for uh, the metal exchange to stop talking about old Halloween albums and the monkeys to get to Nevermore. So, you know, we, we, you know, we, we heard you. Uh, but anyway, here's Dave's thoughts. He said, um, to me, Nevermore is one of the most important metal bands to usher in the new millennium. I still believe their true masterpiece is this godless endeavor, but their breakthrough album was dead heart in a dead world. World Dane's voice sounds unique and full of character. The way he shifts from operatic singing to off key shrieking to suit each moment perfectly. Jeff Loomis burst onto the scene as metal's best new shredder since John Petrucci. The songs managed to balance brutal heaviness, world-class virtuosity, and deep emotion. This album also happens to include one of the strangest covers of all time. (laughs) Andy Sneap's production became the new standard for metal, and that approach to thick, crushing sound remains sought after today. My song of the week, The River Dragon Has Come, and my rating, 8.5 out of 10. So that's those are Dave's Excellent. comments. Um, so uh, I, I, I move to you. Uh, what do you rank this album on on a scale of one to ten? I happen to agree completely with with Dave's score. I think it's an eight point five. I, I don't know that I would say that it's a nine for me. I think that you're talking about some of just real rarefied air when you get that high. But I love this album, and and if you've seen a lot of our scores in the past. Uh, 8.5 is on the higher echelons of, of scores that we give. I think this is a fantastic release. I go back to it regularly, and I'm so happy that a lot of people requested it over the months and years because it was only a matter of time. Um, but I, 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 I'm glad, and I hope that we did it uh, justice. But, but in addition, it was just an album that um, has gotten better with age for me, and I think that that's a testament to to its strength. Really, really good stuff. Not perfect, but damn near close. Um, I'm curious to see if you're anywhere close to an 8.5 yourself. Uh, not too far off. I had it at a 7.75. Um, I almost rated it higher, but then I saw that I gave the new Sorcerer album a 7.875, and I thought this might have been just a shade below for me. Um, but... Man, what a great uh, great entry point for me to really my first real deep dive into a Nevermore album. Uh, thanks to, to Keith and Dave for making the request. Uh, we appreciate that very much. Um, this, yeah, this was this was a blast, and uh, it's 
these are the types of albums that really make me enjoy doing this so much because uh, as easy it is for me to, you know, talk about a, a, a Dream Theater's Awake and, and gush over that, this is more of uh, a challenge, I think, for me to really, like, listen to something with fresh ears for the first time, especially something that's been out there for, you know, almost 24 years now. So, um Really cool stuff, and and I uh, I really enjoyed this, and and uh, look forward to um, hopefully doing another uh, Nevermore album, perhaps this Godless Endeavor, as you know Dave had had mentioned. So um, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Um, before I let you go, and and before you tell us what we're listening to next week, I just want to talk about uh, a bunch of Metal Exchange alums that are all going out on tour. So a lot of lot of tour news this week. Uh, we had covered Tesla in the archives also by request. They're doing the uh, 2024 Keeping It Real Tour starting January 11th in uh, Florida, ending up in Beaver Dam, Kentucky on July 20th. Uh, most of the shows in January and March of next year. So if you have never seen Tesla live, now is your chance. Uh, another, I heard uh, Beaver Dam was clamoring to steal Joliet, Illinois' title as uh, America's hotbed of heavy metal. So let's let's see if it sticks. Yeah, and and, and speaking of Beaver, Steel Panther also going out on tour. <laughs> what a how segue! Do like, how, how do you like that? <laughs> uh, also going out on January and February on tour, starting in Reno, Nevada, and ending in Wichita, Kansas, on February twenty fourth. Um, they are always out on tour, and um, you know. Uh, where the Steel Panther is, the beaver will follow, or so they say. I imagine we'll, they will be partying all night and doing some other stuff all day. So I think that's right. <laughs> and and speaking of other bands on tour, Blind Guardian announcing a, a North American tour. Always something to check out. Uh, April 18th in Silver Springs, Maryland, coming to New York on May the 12th, playing the Palladium in Times Square, and then ending with a headlining or at least a festival appearance at the Milwaukee Metal Fest on May 17th. Um, I am definitely due to see this band, but I'm going to go see them on 70,000 tons. So I'm going to try to see them at least two or three times next year, because whenever blind guardian plays, you've got my attention. Oh, the last time I saw them play live, they absolutely crushed it. Um, I've granted they played the entire, uh, the entire album of, uh, what's the name of the album? I have, my brain is, right? my brain is not in good shape today. I don't know what happened. That's all right. It, was it imaginations? It was that, yes, it was imaginations. They, they, great they, album. That, one of our, uh, very early, uh, episodes that we did, uh, way back when that was our, uh, 11th episode from almost actually we did it on, uh, December 28th, 2020. So almost uh, three, three year years, anniversary almost. to that one. Um, but yeah, uh, they're they're always a blast. Um, again, I don't know where I'm going to be, but uh, I I will try to see them. They're a they're a band to travel for. For me, every concert is pretty much a traveling concert, unless it's TSO, who I didn't even go see this year. The only band that comes to town, and uh, I didn't even go see them. But um, yeah, it's that that to me, they're a band worth traveling for. It, you have to kind of pick and choose when you live nowhere near <laughs> where concerts go. Uh, so, or I guess in your case, you have to pick and choose because you can see pretty much everyone and you can't see everyone. So you have to pick and choose. I so. am definitely uh, spoiled. So I, I, I acknowledge that, but um, yeah, 
that's uh, the Blind Guardian tour, and I'll just be uh, I'll add one more tour, not not alums, but uh, Glory Hammer and Twilight Force going out on tour next March in in the U.S. and Canada. The Red White and Hoots tour. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, Red White and Hoots. Uh, what are we listening to next week, my friend? I I feel like it's been a while, so I'm curious to hear what it is that you're choosing. This one I've kind of had uh, planned for a little while just because it's much like the Sorcerer album we talked about about a month ago. uh, This is an album that came out this year that I have only listened to once. And because of how highly received it has been by a lot of people, uh, I want to listen to it a bunch more times in anticipation of my list that I will be creating so in that uh in celebration of that we will be listening to no spoons opus album that came out earlier this year uh shout out to knops who pretty much brought this album to everyone's attention so uh thanks to knops for that <laughs> he planted the flag and now they're playing frog Power i know you week. gotta you gotta love it so uh I um, I kind of had hinted to him that this was coming, but uh, this was something I needed to go back to and listen to anyway. But being that uh, it was, I believe, in Glenn's top five or six on his list, I know um, Milton, who's the other, uh, another one of the um, promoters, he's the, he's the guy who actually booked them for Prog Power. Uh, they're high on his list. I know they're high on yours. Uh, I know they're high on Nops's list. I know... Now I need to find out if they're going to be high on mine. I listened to the <laughs> album once. I liked it, but I will be honest, like, I didn't really like, you know, I was working. I probably wasn't paying that close attention. There were definitely some elements of, of Haken and Dream Theater that kind of shone through. And I think the, um, at least the, uh, the story content kind of gave me uh, Mercy Falls vibes from seventh wonder but um this is an album i've just been meaning to dig into more and since i have a podcast that digs into albums i figured what better place to do it and so uh and and if if nothing else hopefully we get this uh band on some more other people or some other people's radars and maybe if um there are people who were on the fence about uh getting a ticket for thursday night at prog power next year uh maybe this helps you know sway you one way or the other uh but um yeah, that's uh, that's that's going to be my choice, and uh, I already know what I'm choosing two weeks from now, unless by some unbelievable coincidence you choose them first. Uh, I do have uh, my next choice lined up as well, and then we also have um, for uh, New Year's Day a uh, a request um, to to do. So, uh, uh, and it will give you a hint. Uh, we mentioned them in this podcast, so. Uh, if you want to rewind and <laughs> try to figure out who it is, but so uh, they they mentioned forty six bands. So I got a one in forty six shot on this one. No, nope. so um, yeah. it's gonna be it's gonna be good. I, I like that choice. It's not Glory um, Hammer. I'll just say that. Oh, no hoots left to give, huh? Nope. Um, good choice, my friend. I I'm looking forward to talking about this. I have some extremely thought, strong thoughts, and I will say that I liked it after the first listen, but I loved it after the second. So. Um, I have a feeling that it may click for you just the same as you spend some time with it. Yeah, I just feel like there's been way too much uh, positive press on this one to not uh, to not like it. So um, I just I, I just kind of want to get to where everybody else is at. So 
<laughs> it's about time you played catch up. But uh, good, good episode, my friend. I uh, definitely like talking about some never, never more. We'll stay with the ends and go to No Spoon next week. And uh, like I said, give us a like and a follow if you like what you hear. And uh, we will catch up with you next week when we talk about another uh, 2023 album, our, our second in, in, in just about a month. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, take care, my friend. We shall chat soon. Yes, absolutely. Take care, my friend. Stop your